from downtown Milwaukee, welcome to Money Talk with Bob Landis. Each week, professional advisors from Landis and Company Investments discuss the latest financial developments, offering timely insight and long-term perspective. This is Money Talk for August 18th, 2023. Checking the calendar, the Brewers are in Los Angeles for a weekend with the Dodgers, and the New England Patriots are at Lambeau for a Saturday night preseason game with the Pack. Today is National Ice Cream Pie Day. Oh, baby. It's also National Bad Poetry Day. And isn't bad poetry redundant? Let's start with a couple of strange stories. A California man was arrested for breaking and entering homes and robbing them. But sometimes he wouldn't steal anything. He would just sneak into the bedrooms and rub women's feet while they slept. That's just a whole lot of creepy. And speaking of creepy, it's Florida manatee mating season. Herds of sea cows and bulls gather in the shallows and bump flippers for all they're worth. Tourists call the cops, um, uh, tourists call the cops in a misguided effort to protect the cows they believe are in distress. Apparently the tourists can't tell the difference between a moan and a groan. And to top it all off, the local county sheriff plays Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On for the manatees. SeaWorld could sell a ton of tickets to that. And finally, the city of Atlanta mistakenly tore down a man's home, and then to add insult to injury, the city is suing him for the $68,000 in demolition costs. Atlanta is no longer on Angie's list. And on the podcast today, we have Dave Sandstrom, Adam Bailey, and here's Kyle Tedding. Thanks, Max. Uh a bit of a change in direction this week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some mid-year or maybe later half of summer planning updates, some things that we should be thinking about uh, as we kind of settle into the second half of the year, as we look at what's coming next. Um, you know, we've done this in the past. We always do our annual giving podcast around Thanksgiving as a good way to think about, um, you know, where we should be giving, how we should be giving. But this is a good opportunity for us to go beyond just the giving aspect and actually now start to plan for where does that kind of stuff come from? What kinds of other things should we be thinking about at a time in, of the year in which it's otherwise fairly quiet from market perspective, a lot of traders uh, taking their trips to the beach. Uh, and so, you know, I think a, a good opportunity, uh, Adam, for us to talk about some of those planning updates. Um, most importantly this year, I think, is this idea that cash is king right, that uh, having some money on the sidelines isn't a penalty anymore because you're getting paid for it. And so for years, we've talked to investors about, well, maybe you want three, four, five months worth of your distribution set aside. Perhaps this is a year in which we think a little more completely about what kind of withdrawals you might need from your portfolio, what kind of access to cash you might need, uh, and take this as an opportunity to, to put a little bit more out there. Yeah, one of the exercises I like to do with my clients is just kind of like a mid-year update uh, and just a, a circle back on here's where we've come from, here's where we are. And you, you got to acknowledge that stocks have come a long way in a short period of time and using that as an opportunity to maybe do some rebalancing on the margins, sell some winners and buy some bonds now that they're offering a whole lot more competition and yield. And for people who are in the distribution phase of life, uh, you know, whether taking money out for required withdrawals or just, you know, to meet their regular monthly income needs, I think now's a wonderful time to revisit taking some, some cash and some gains, selling some of your winners and putting it in the money market. And my rule of thumb has always been, 
you know, six to 12 months worth of cash set aside, no questions asked, so that you don't have to worry about what the market's going to do, you know, the next 12 months or so. You can have that set aside in the money market and uh, you're not going to lose any sleep over it. And now's a good time to just kind of run through that exercise and revisit how much do you have in cash, how much are your withdrawal needs over the coming uh, months or year. And for those folks who maybe are a little bit more skittish, and you probably know if you're a little more skittish than the rest, maybe we start planning for two years worth of distributions and setting 12 months aside in cash and then talking about a CD for year two and where you can get a five and a half percent yield on a CD. And again, you don't have to worry about where you're going to get your withdrawals from for the next two years. And of course, Dave, I think cash needs are a big part of that. But you add in that this is the time of year in which we're getting a lot of forecasts from uh, investment firms who want to tell us, you know, what's going to happen next. And I think the range of outcomes is as broad as ever. The likelihood that any one of those is correct seems fairly small at this point. Uh, but it is a good opportunity just to think about rebalancing in general and making sure that um, we're revisiting the idea of what we're comfortable with. Yeah, and and the nice thing that the the cash uh, yields right now are giving you is it it eliminates the hurry to buy something else potentially. So if you're talking about Kyle, maybe an opportunity to take some profit from some of your stock funds uh, that have run out quite a bit this year. Um, there's no pressure to say, okay, now what do I have to buy? I could take my time, put that money in my money market, let the cash uh, accumulate there. You know, we know we're making five and a half percent. I think Adam's point earlier about the fact that, you know, we we were conditioned for ten years that holding cash was a penalty mm-hmm. because it was yielding nothing. Uh, and and I have to admit, I, I catch myself thinking that way occasionally. And and now you have to realize that no, you're not being penalized anymore to have cash in the portfolio. You know, we've been doing this for for many years, and. Um, the last time I got to say that you were getting paid to hold cash was 2004. I mean, that was it. It's really been that long where cash has been an enormously unproductive asset. But now with yields coming up, it can start to become part of your strategy alongside bonds. And that has not been the case over the past you know, 10, 15 plus years. But now that's starting to be the case. And maybe the other thing that this time of year brings is the opportunity to get ahead of some conversations that you know, really start to happen in in volume in October, November, December, Uh, things like uh, trying to plan for Roth conversions. Uh, The idea that, um, you know, you're in a tax bracket in which you may not receive uh, a lower tax bracket ever down the road, um, the potential for tax rates to go higher being one factor, but the likelihood that things like required distributions maybe later in life are going to push you into a higher tax bracket they make it necessary to think, well, okay, is there an opportunity now to pay some tax I might not otherwise owe? You wait till the end of the year, though, Adam, and all of a sudden you you kind of have lost control of all the other pieces that go into that. And so maybe it makes sense to have a plan now for forcing some tax, recognizing some tax liability that you otherwise wouldn't. Yeah, and as a reminder, you know, Roth conversions can make a lot of sense for those who are you're retired, maybe in like your, your early 60s, but not yet to the age of 73, where required distributions become a thing. And uh, this can make a lot of sense for folks if you have a sizable IRA balance, if you were to do nothing and just let your IRA balance grow and grow and grow until the, your age of 73, it, you could launch yourself up a couple tax brackets because the RMDs are so large. 
But if you take a look each and every year um, uh, throughout the year, what do you have room to convert at the lower bracket and get some into the Roth IRA? Candidly, you really want to do that, though, when the market's low, not when it's high where it is, because you, you, you would much rather convert at a low point in the market because you can get more shares out and um, for the same dollars. That's not where we are today, but you still got to have the conversation each and every year to see if it makes sense. One thing I'd add to the Roth conversion conversation quickly is also consider your beneficiaries or your heirs a potential tax liability too. I think sometimes investors forget about that. So, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes you don't know, and certainly we can never predict future tax law. But if there are situations that are fairly obvious, like you have one beneficiary that happens to be the head of neurosurgery at Freighter, and there's, you know, in a top bracket and you know you're not, then obviously there's going to be some incentive for you to, to make some conversions at your tax bracket versus your heirs. So that, that's one thing to consider as well. Uh, a little bit more difficult because that's a, a longer view, but uh, something I, I, I think is worth consideration. You know, the other thing we start talking about for tax planning is um, qualified charitable distributions. I know that's a conversation I have a lot with my, my clients. Uh, Kyle, is that something you've been talking about with yours? Oh, it absolutely is. And I think the, the ways we do that have changed over time as well. And so the opportunity set this time of year is, well, let's start to put that list together. Let's understand where we give money to. Um, it's become so much easier to do in that in the past it required some paperwork and some time to get things in order. Going back to that conversation about cash, you also got to figure out how you're going to come up with the money to give to those charities because ultimately what you're giving them is a check that comes straight out of your IRA, doesn't show up in your taxable income, but which the charity gets to enjoy completely tax-free. And so as I think about Um, you know, kind of what the opportunity set looks like going forward. What I tell clients is summer is the time to start to take the inventory. Here's Mm -hmm. the people that I know I'm going to want to give money to. You've already got that required minimum distribution. You got to be 70 and a half for qualified charitable distributions. And now at 73, the required distributions start. So don't wait till required distributions start taking it out early. It's another way to lower that tax bill that we were talking about a little earlier. But Make that list now and follow up with your advisor. Follow up with your tax preparer. Let them know the plan. That's one big catch in all of this is that um, it really does involve multiple people looking at things and having a conversation about does this make sense? How does it make sense? We're not filing your taxes, so have that conversation with your CPA, but we can help. And speaking of when this makes sense, in terms of you know the size of giving or maybe the frequency of giving that you do, uh, the qualified charitable distributions, it's really meant for sizable gifts. Maybe not just 50 bucks here, 100 bucks there. I mean, we're talking a few thousand here or there. That's when you can you get money out of the IRA and do so tax efficiently. But it's got to be in more sizable components as opposed to like 25 bucks or 50. And, and don't forget, Kyle, that uh, we I think with the popularity of the QCD, there's lots of talk. We constantly talk to our clients about it. But there's also an opportunity in your taxable account if you have highly appreciated shares of certain securities, that's another way to offload some future tax liability for yourself. Uh, Even in a situation where you're you're not itemizing on your tax return, you're still avoiding some future tax payments uh, by maybe donating shares to, to your local charity. And last year's the year we were talking about 
selling things at a loss to build up some loss for future year's gains. And Dave, to your point, maybe this year's the year we look at some of those places where there are gains and use that as a way to give it away to a charity that's not going to pay tax on those capital gains. You want to gift those highly appreciated assets. Don't gift something you could sell at a loss. You're going to get the loss and you can give the cash to the charitable organization. But what you really, really want to be doing is looking ahead to what's my tax liability going to be? How can I minimize that? I'm all for paying taxes. It means we're making money. It means we're doing the right stuff. But let's see what we can do to keep those bills in check. And that starts with planning well ahead of the actual action of let's get this out of the account and to the, to the end user. You know, I think the other things this time of year that tend to make their way into the conversation are planning for the inevitable. Estate planning, Dave, planning for what happens when I can't stay in my home anymore, what happens when I need a level of care uh, that can't as easily be provided uh, for me uh, within my own home. And I know these are conversations that you've had quite a bit in some of your capacity outside the firm. Um, you know, how do you talk to clients about what those next steps look like? Yeah, Kyle, it's, a, it's always a tough subject. You know, you're talking about our, our mortality. You're talking about our declining health. Those are, those are subjects that aren't a lot of fun to discuss. But my experience has been the people that have at least considered what my options are going to be when I'm in a situation where I'm going to need additional medical care, whether it's in-home care, whether it be getting into a senior living facility where I have less household responsibilities, whether it be assisted living, uh, hopefully uh, uh, we don't have to venture into the memory care uh, arena. But the point is, if you make plans ahead of time, then you're in charge of the decision. You're, you get to make some choices, find the right places. If you wait too long and you don't do anything, and wait till that moment when you're forced into it, you have very limited choices. And I think the outcomes have a tendency to, to not be what, what would be in your best interest. One of the conversations we have with clients on a regular basis is how um, the, the cost of long-term health care impacts the longevity of your retirement savings. And how are you going to pay for that? Can you pay for it out of your pocket? For many of our customers, the answer is yes. Uh, for some of them, it's no. And, you know, at that point, does uh, long-term care insurance fit in to your overall strategy? But that's a, a, a customer-by-customer customer basis. It's highly personal and specific. Does that make sense for you or not? But there are tools out there if it's a good fit for you. And if we're talking about planning, I think the perfect, uh, you know, kind of things to be thinking about, the longer term you know, maybe the, the last one is, you know, what happens to these accounts? What happens to our things when we're not here anymore? And making sure that we have our estate plan clear, making sure that what we want to happen in particular with our financial accounts, which can be so easy to handle, but which can often be missed. Adam, I know in your reviews, it's got to be something that you're talking about every time clients are in the office. Hey, here's what you have. Is this still what you want? Yeah, it's one of those questions that, hey, here's the beneficiaries currently on your IRA. Is this how you want it? Or the beneficiaries on your TOD? Um, sometimes when it comes to a trust account, uh, it's not always clear, at least on the account profile, yeah, how it's going to be dispersed. And that's something you want to review with your attorney. 
But on a regular basis, we got to review who's the beneficiary. Is this how your estate plan should be processed? Is this what you want to happen? And as, as much as we talk about reviewing your investments, you, you got to spend some time, at least annually, going through your estate plan. Is it still current? Is it still what you want? Are there any changes that need to be made? And for those of you who have formed an estate planning vehicle, like a trust, is that still current? And that's something maybe we can just kind of have a general conversation with you as advisors, but that's something also you're going to want to talk about with an estate planning attorney. Is it still what you want to accomplish? And laws change, your life changes, what's going on in the world around us changes. And so we have to be vigilant about how that might impact what our, what our objectives were to make sure they're still what we want them to be. And yeah, I think you rightfully point out these are conversations that may not be Landis and Company conversations, but we can help you formulate a game plan for here's what you currently have and here's who you might want to talk to to make sure that whatever needs to be cleaned up is cleaned up. Mm-hmm. You know, I think always appreciate an opportunity to think ahead to what's coming, to what we might uh, want to be thinking about. The kind of uh, dog days of summer that we get into now are a great opportunity to kind of think through what should we be doing next. Um, And so it's a good opportunity for us just to kind of plant some of those seeds for our listeners. Um, We always enjoy doing the program for you, and we will talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Money Talk with Bob Landis. If you have a financial question you want answered on next week's show, email it to moneytalk@landis.com. To keep informed throughout the week, visit our Money Talk page at landis.com.